This is Candid Conversations with Dr. Mayfield, a podcast that resources families and friends with tools to have important conversations about mental and emotional health. This show is sponsored by Mayfield Counseling Centers, helping you find clarity, hope, and purpose. Here's your host, Trevor Sheeran. Thank you for joining us on Candid Conversations. You may notice uh, a couple different things about this episode. We are currently at Prairie Springs Farm with Nancy, who does the equine approach, which Mayfield Counseling Centers has partnered with. Uh, We are in their barn, and we've got a horse whose name is... Red. Red behind us. We have two horses. Oh, yeah, we do. We've got a little... We have another horse named Silver, who's kind of hiding right now. (laughs) And Farida and I, who are not cat people, we've got a cat that has decided this to... Uh, this is what cats do. <laughs> they choose somebody that doesn't like them and try right. to win them over. Right, yeah. And look at him, he's really content, he's just totally enjoying his himself there, not picking up your energy at all. No, he's very happy. Well, and you mentioned a word that we'll probably dive into a little bit more later in this episode about energy, because from my understanding, equine uh, assisted therapy has a lot to do with the energy between people and, and horses. Well, I'm glad that we're here. This has been a long time coming and, and fun because uh, I've worked with Nancy for seven, six, many years, many years, I don't know, I don't know how long. <laughs> we actually started at Aspen Point doing uh, an equine group at a different place mm-hmm. and uh, went really well and then it didn't and I won't say anything more than yeah. that, but, uh, <laughs> but, here uh, but here we are and it's exciting. So I think Nancy, just give a, uh, and I want to have Rita uh, speak to this as well, but give us a, just an overview of um, what type of equine therapy you do? Because I know there's a lot that is out there, and if people are a little bit up on things, they know that there's a difference between equine assisted and equine facilitated, and who does what and learning and therapy okay. and that kind of stuff. Can, can you give us a, just a brief overview? Yeah, um, I find that most people are going to use the word equine therapy, and being kind of a grammar police nerd, I want to point out that that's really not accurate because equine therapy means therapy for an equine. Right? Yep. So, yeah, that works. <laughs> and, and our industry has a big committee right now that's working very hard on figuring out what a standard terminology can be. Because this industry has grown so fast in the last 20 years um, that we haven't, we haven't even kept up with ourselves in some ways. Um, the big difference that I want to point out is what is equine assisted therapy or, or equine facilitated? I, I'm going to say we could use either one of those therapy as opposed to equine assisted learning or coaching or anything else. And the big thing is these guys. It's not therapy if you don't have a therapist. So I'm not a therapist. By myself, I am not technically doing therapy. It doesn't mean that I don't have a lot to offer um, in terms of personal growth, but we don't get into that same level, and you guys can speak more to that. Um, So when I partner with them, it's equine assisted therapy. When I'm working by myself, it's equine-assisted growth or equine-assisted learning. Okay? Nice. Yeah, um, it's really important. This, I love this modality for therapy because I, we can get so much further in six or eight weeks with a client yeah. than we can um, in a room with them. Oh, I don't know if I want to talk about that today. Or us <laughs> trying to you know, tease out what's really going on. The beauty, and you brought it up, Trevor, thank you. The beauty part of this is we have an, a horse with his own energy that calls out stuff with the client. 
So for us to be able to work with a horse, they have to be able to trust us. And um, that's the first thing that we work on, um, connecting and relationship and trust. And oftentimes the clients that we see have issues with all three of those. And so it's really um, helpful. They can see what hypervigilance looks like on another person. For someone who really struggles with anxiety or um, self-regulating, maybe there's problems at school, maybe they don't like to listen to their parents. Well, they have to be able to communicate with the horse and the horse has to be able to trust them or they don't get to work with the horse that day. And so in a very short amount of time, they will learn because who doesn't want to work with the horse? Yeah. So far we haven't met maybe one that wasn't too thrilled. I want to start from a foundational thought that we've talked about before and maybe Nancy, you can talk to this of why horses are useful for uh, therapy and um, it has to do with uh, them being prey animals, right? Absolutely, that's the deal. Um, They are a prey species and that makes them very different from dogs. And I've had people come in and say, oh, he's just like a big dog. And we're quick to point out that he's really not. Um, I have a lab at home, a Labrador, like many of us do, who would like to be glued to my side all the time That is not the case for these guys, okay? To be touched is to be vulnerable. When you're a prey, you don't necessarily want to open yourself up to that without feeling super safe. And so they're going to wait and test the waters and and read our energy before they allow us in. They're always looking around their environment. Rita mentioned hypervigilance. It's pretty much what they do. They are a herd animal. it's always safer to be in a herd. The lion might get one of us, but he's not going to get all of us. So we're all going to be right. looking out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they cue off each other, and they cue off us. And one of the biggest cues that is not emphasized enough is breath. Mm. Breath. Um, we have to be able to show that we're relaxed, that we're not breathing up tight in our chest because we're worried about something because they're going to pick that up and you'll see it reflected and then as we um and maybe you could tell the story mm-hmm. um but as as we get into <sighs> taking some breaths doing some grounding we have rita has some different awareness exercises and some of them are super simple you can see the horse relax his head starts to come down his jaw starts to loosen he might smack his lips or take that big breath or that big blow Um, And that's that feedback that you were talking about um, that they will sooner listen to from the animal than from us. Well, and I find it's interesting. um, The client doesn't have a choice not to be transparent. Right, Right. that's a good point. If if they want to work with the horse, they have to be transparent. And I know uh, when we did stuff with Aspen Point, there are times where we had to pull kids away. I remember getting kicked once because this kid had disassociated while leading the horse, and it was one of the horses that we had that was wouldn't normally. Because I saw the horse getting ready to kick, and I stepped in front of the kid and got, not hard, but you know the the back leg got me in the, the thigh, and because this kid was was not being genuine to himself and was actually you know, trying to escape the the emotions or whatever was going on uh, in that moment. And so I, I love it because you have to be authentically you in the moment. And if you're scared, say it, right? Yeah. You know, and they, they would sooner accept that. Oh my gosh, you're really big and I'm feeling really nervous. 
okay, let's take a few steps back and just relax it with that instead of pretend that everything is okay because then you're going to get a behavior like that, which isn't a horse's first choice. They're a flight uh, animal. First choice, run. Run first. Ask questions later. They're exquisitely built for that. So and what, then they'll turn around and go, oh, what, what happened? Yeah. So the, the story, real quick, just to kind of <laughs> yeah. bring that into it, uh, I share this a lot, and I know Rita's got stories, and I, want, I would love to hear more stories today, too, from, from you all, just the Im- impact of this. But uh, this one kid that we had at Aspen Point was just a, a ball of energy, and I always wow. joke that it was, you know, bottle that energy, and I'd love to take it with me because <laughs> I need it. But, uh, you know, that kind of energy uh, that's not regulated or at least talked about, a horse is not going to want to have anything to do with it. And I remember, I don't remember, it's going to bug me until I remember the horse's name that we had, but it was, you know, just, uh, maybe it started with an S. I don't know. Anyways, um, but it was more of like the Eeyore type horse, right? That, you know, when we're leading the horse back to the to the pen, it was almost like dragging him. Uh, very stoic. Very stoic, very slow. And uh, we thought, okay, this kid might be the one that we could put him with. And the kid wouldn't, the horse wouldn't have anything to do with him, you know. And so I could see the kid getting frustrated. And so teaching the, the breathing piece, right, breathing from your diaphragm and your, and your gut versus your chest. And I taught him to do three or, or I think it was like five or six mindful breaths before he would get anywhere near. So the horse maybe was five or six feet away. And then we'd take a, a couple steps forward and then do more mindful breaths. And I could see the horse starting to calm down a little bit. And so I had asked him to uh, close his eyes, uh, the kid, close his eyes and put his hands out and, and take a couple more deep breaths, trusting that the horse would follow suit. And I kid you not, like it was like the 10th breath, the horse took a deep breath too and leaned into this kid's hands. And the kid opened his eyes up. It was like, holy crap, what's going on here? And, but he, he connected to such a point that I remember watching him come back. We had a group, and so watching him come back every week, and he'd stand at the, at the gate or the barn uh, door and take 10 deep breaths and then come to the stall and take 10 deep breaths, you know, and, and just really regulate himself. And it, the effects, though, this is what I want to talk about, too, if you have more stories, but the effects of this on this kid was self-regulation. Um, and it's not stuff that we... We tools are, you know, we gave him tools, but it wasn't these things that we told him he had to do and then check off the box, you know, like we do sometimes in, in the office. And so I, he, it was getting a better grade and he was, you know, being obedient at home and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just to see the effects of that. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest benefits of this work is that we don't have to tell, teach them and tell them, if you practice this, this will work. They see it work. They they feel that it works when they're out here in the moment um, and experiencing it with the horse. The horse. There's no better teacher than a horse. Um, it, it's truly amazing work. Sometimes it's really hard to put into words just how wonderful it is. Um, you mentioned picking horses. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to let the horse and the person pick. So we give options, you know, and almost always they will pick the horse that has the same type of um, maybe issues. And here's where I'm going with this. We have one horse here in particular that cribs. That's a very self-harming um, thing. Cribbing is when they hold on, they put their top teeth on a rail or a, a fence and pull back with their neck and what that does is let a big rush of air go in it kind of is a little bit of a high for them and it's so damaging because it lets all that air go into their stomach and that causes them to um, colic 
in some instances when it's extreme. So when we have young gals or young boys, doesn't matter, who are self-harming, it's amazing how they gravitate towards that horse. Mm -hmm. And then when we can have discussions about his self-harming behavior, it, they are more concerned about him hurting himself, but then that also opens up beautiful opportunity for us to say, if you care so much for him, how about you care for you, mm -hmm. right? And how about we talk about those self-harming behaviors and maybe figure out a different way, like put, taking 10 deep breaths right. before you do yep. something. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, and for those of you that are listening to the podcast, I'd encourage you to go to our YouTube channel because we'll have some video uh, later on just the ranch and, and looking at the horses and, and more kind of uh, tutorial on that. But it's... Um, for those of you that are listening and are trying to picture this and don't maybe have any experience with horses or, you know, have not, not done this, it, I really encourage you to, to find a way to kind of experience it or at least visualize it, you know, whether it be on a video or coming out to this ranch if you're in Colorado Springs and calling Rita uh, to set up a time to maybe do a tour or something like that just to be able to experience it because uh, to, to be here is to, to really know it. Um, and we can share all the stories, which is great, but uh, and if, unless you've been around a horse, you don't fully understand it um, I think there's a lot to be said for just being out in nature and being um, with a horse just being outside as a population as a society we have stepped so far away from our original agronomy um, roots mm -hmm. so, quick. so quickly in just short numbers of generations that it's very easy to forget that you can just feel peaceful yeah. right so. Well, and anyone who's listened to the show for any amount of time knows that I'm a huge fantasy nerd. Uh, and a lot of fantasy novels, like if you look at The Lord of the Rings, horses are a really intricate part of uh, the people of Rohan. And there's this really beautiful depiction of the relationship that a man and a horse or a person and a horse can have uh, that really is lost in our time and can be really beautiful in just the short amount of time that I've spent uh, here with uh, Nancy, you, and Rita um, has been really incredible because there's something, um, I don't know, there's something almost archaic to it, archaic feeling. It feels like uh, a root of a people long forgotten right. uh, that we can re-experience some of that relationship and what's beautiful about relationships is we learn a lot about ourselves through a good relationship. And from what I've seen, that seems to be the case with a relationship with a horse as well. Well, and that was so huge for me growing up, you know, when I, I mean, people that have listened know my story a little bit of, of self, you know, self harm and, and suicide and, uh, high school, middle school, into middle school and early high school going out to the barn was my saving grace, you know? Uh, getting away from people that were judging and, and, and you know, uh, bullying and that kind of stuff. And so sitting in my stall with my horse, allowing her just to be there with me, uh, non-judgment, I think is the big thing, is these horses don't judge, you know, was was my saving grace. And yeah, it was an, es it was an escape, um, but it was, a, it was a good escape, you know. And we talk about good coping skills and bad coping skills, you know, uh, with our clients a lot. And this is a, a good coping skill. And by the way, for those that are listening or watching and you're hearing all this noise, we are actually, just to remind you, in the barn. And it's feeding, and time. It's feeding time. So these horses are having a, 
a lot of fun. A heyday. So a heyday. There we go. <laughs> well, and you can even see on our YouTube. Uh, what silver is that? Silver back here. Silver is is that the mini or yes. okay? Yeah. He's catching some sun right now. And the uh, bigger one is red. Red right now is eating at hay. His <laughs> breakfast. Yes. Nice. So, so just a little horsey knowledge. He's eating out of a slow feeder hay net. It's more natural for a horse to graze and nibble throughout the day than to have a big meal like a wolf. Again, they're a prey species, a prairie species. We always need to be mindful of that. So maybe I would like to transition for a minute and just, uh, I love stories. So I'm going to put both of you on the spot just to think for a minute. So as I'm talking, think about maybe a story that was uh, impactful for you watching a client or just even you and a horse together uh, to kind of continue to share um, that narrative of the importance and the beauty of, of equine uh, um, assisted learning and therapy. You first. I, I, I have one that there's a couple. One of the things that is really important that I teach in my therapy with horses is being aware of how you feel because you have to be present with your own feelings in order to not shove them off onto the horse because that's not fair. Um, and so I had a, an adult client actually. Um, and I said, so where in your body do you feel that? And Oh, he was so angry. If one more person asks me that today, I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) So we let that slide. Um, but another Another story is um, working with a group of people that were transitioning out of the military. And um, that in and of itself is traumatic. And all of them were transitioning because of their trauma that they had experienced. And for various, you know, combat, military sexual trauma, all, all of that was uh, part of this group. And as the last group activity, we asked them to build um, a river with poles, and then there were objects that they had to identify as having meaning for them as a group. They had to, the whole thing was to get all eight people and the horse and the objects on the other side of the river. And I had one individual who, because of his trauma and physical issues, was unable to speak. He would communicate, he could hear, and his mind was incredible. Um, but to, to speak back, he used my cell phone to text back, right? And um, I could tell that he already had it figured out before I stopped giving the directions. So I let them circle up and figure it out. And it was amazing because um, there was one woman who, whose military sexual trauma was deep and um, very problematic. And he, this same gentleman, could, had to walk with a cane. And they put a board down, and she's the one who, after everybody else had all the objects and all of the other things across, the horse was already across, she led him across a very narrow board across that river. And to me, that was so healing because he had to allow somebody to help him, and she helped a male figure who could be very representative of all of her traumas. So the things that happen here um, are really amazing and transformational. Um, You're talking about the military kind of prompted a story that I like to tell. There's a gentleman uh, who was a veteran. He was transitioning out. 
um, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of anger, a lot of tension. He was a very brusque guy, and he had been an officer. He was in, in large and in charge, you know, for a long time. He comes in one day, and he's very tense, and he's like brushing his horse like that, and the horse is like backing up, backing up, <laughs> backing up, and we're like, what's what do you think? Let's just stop a minute. So we and we do that sometimes. We stop, take a step back, maybe give the horse a little break because it's super important not to offload too much stuff on these guys. That's not fair. Um, so we we're very aware of when they need to take a little break from us. And we spoke to him and talked about how he could be here now, what the horse might actually like from him, what would work in this moment. Did some breathing, and then reapproached. And it was a completely different approach. The head of the horse was down, the face was relaxed, allowed the guy to touch him and brush him. Um, and we, we, set, we processed afterwards. So what, what, do you, what do you think about that? He goes, shoot, that's the same thing my wife has been telling me for a long time. And I didn't hear it until today. Uh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I do want to uh, point our readers. I, you know, there's a lot of uh, great resources out there. Um, there's the Professional Association for Therapeutic Horsemanship uh, International. There's uh, what's the EGALA stand for? Equine Assisted Growth and Learning okay. Association. So if you check those websites out, they have good resources and research. You can also Google my name and equine therapy, and my dissertation still comes up. Um, that was over two years ago, um, but has more of a qualitative storytelling approach uh, if you want to know more about it. Um, but there are, th- I mean, we can sit here all day and talk about stories and stories and stories. Um, I guess my question for, for you both is is also what, what if somebody were to come, uh, so if somebody's listening and they're in Colorado Springs and they said, that sounds like something my kid needs to be a part of or I need to be a part of, what are kind of the first, what do the first couple days or couple sessions look like? Because I think it could be, yeah, it sounds all well and good. I've never been around a horse, and that scares me more than than okay. actually coming. So, what would the what would the first couple sessions look like? Okay. Um, you know, if they're thinking about coming. Well, one of the things I, I did want to bring up, and this is a great time to do it, is you know we did talk about horses making faces or threatening to kick or doing things. That I just want to say that's really not the norm. Okay, this mm-hmm. is super safe. We are members of the Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemanship. Safety is always number one. Mm-hmm. Going slow is also number one. Um, We generally do not ever ride the horses, so you don't need to feel like you have to risk physically to do this. Um, We start very slow with introductions. Um, A lot of times we don't even really lead a horse on the first day. It's just more about approaching and retreating, knowing knowing when to come in and when to step out and reading the energy uh, to build those connection skills. I think one of the good things, too, is um, on the first day, they learn to read nonverbal cues on another sentient being. And I think it, often that's becoming harder and harder for young people to do if their nose is in a computer or a video game or things like that. That's lost. And so they can, they can see what that looks like, and they can recognize, oh, he's, he's raising his head and he's looking at me and he's perking his ear, so that must mean I need to pay attention to what's going on. And um, that's super important because then they can also recognize that in their peers and, oh, maybe their parents, too, you know, when it's chore time or dinner time. Um, so we really slow life down and kind of start with some very basic things and um, relationship is another important thing 
So, so what I'm hearing real quick is that basically the way it, you have some ideas and some, some frameworks of how the progression is, but really it's up to the client in the sense of what their needs are and how fast you're going to go. And, and not every group is going to look the same. And, and we come in with a plan in our back pocket, and a lot of times it just stays there. It's right. very, very organic. Um, you do need to think on your feet. <laughs> um, the words connection and relationship are huge. Yeah. Um, like you said, the connection, we have all this virtual connection. We can all be in touch with anyone all over the world at any time, but what's that really doing for us, right? And it's virtual. It's not real, like you pointed right. out. Um, these guys, you have to be truly authentic, which can be scary. Um, you talked about bullying. Sometimes it's not safe to be who you are. Or it doesn't feel like it is, but that's exactly who they ask you to be, is who you are. And if you are incongruent, if your outside and your inside aren't matching up, they're going to see right through to that right. inside and go, whoa, Jack, you need to think about something before you come over into my space because I don't feel safe with you. You're not a good leader for me. You're not a good herd member, <clears throat> excuse me, for me. And they don't judge. They don't care who we are as long as we're not trying to pretend we're something different than exactly. who we are. And exactly. I, I think that's a really important thing um, for a lot of people, right? And so um, it can be, they just learn to be present in the moment, which is so very important. Another good thing that the horses teach us is, yeah, safety is a big deal and their best mechanism is to turn and run, but they immediately spin around, look at what it is and then go, oh, okay, big deal, nothing. And, and then it's over, they don't carry it in a backpack for the next 25 years. They, they discharge. They let it go. They're stressed. They do a big blow. You've heard a couple of them back here. They might lay down and roll, kick their legs. They might shake. Um, they discharge that that adrenaline, icky energy, mm -hmm. and then come back down to stasis. Because if you think about it in the wild, if they stay in that agitated state and their cortisol is buzzing around and buzzing around, it's gonna wear them down. And when the real predator right. really comes, they're not gonna have the wherewithal right. to get away. Right. I'm hearing two things that I'd love to hear your feedback on. It almost seems as if equine-assisted therapy exaggerates certain parts of our life in a way that is degree, a degree separated from real life and so we're experiencing a horse's reaction to us the way we would experience a person's reaction to us but in an exaggerated way and it's not a person and so there's a degree of safety to that Absolutely. and also I'm hearing that the horses kind of reflect us and in our care for the horses as Rita you talked about we don't want the horse to be in this um, flight, fight, flight, freeze mentality for a long time and wear itself down. And then when we reflect on ourselves, we've been doing that for the past 13 years. Right. right. Well, it, it, we, you know, the whole idea of mirror neurons, I think, is really important, too. And the fact that uh, if it's 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 interesting, you'll experience it. But the idea of if you're taking a deep breath and the horse is coming down, they're going to take a deep breath, too, because they're mirroring. It's uh, we don't get that very often with humans. Right. If I take a deep breath right now, Trevor, you're not going to probably follow suit. You might. Unless it's a yawn. Unless it's a yawn. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But but the horse, if, if we're really intentional, the horse is going to mirror back to us. And that's some really immediate 
amazing feedback, but I like the, the kind of the one place removed is we're experiencing ourselves in, in light of something that's bigger than us. And how do we apply that to our, our family life and our friend life and our socioeconomic, wherever we are, I don't know, I just made that word up. Um, <laughs> wherever we are in life, you know, it's a good representation of that. I think the safety of um, being vulnerable with a horse I think you're right on the money because some people have not been able to be vulnerable. So if you can practice that with a horse, then it becomes much easier to be authentic and vulnerable with the other people in your lives. And then relationships can really blossom out of that. I've done some great work with couples um, and it's pretty amazing what can happen with a couple working with a horse because the horse becomes the issue. The other issues aren't the issue. The horse is. And then then I can use my little motor neurons and figure out how to connect all of those things together and say, oh, I wonder how that might be impacting <laughs> anything. Okay. <You> think? <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about what equine-assisted therapy looks like. Because I think we've talked a lot about the purpose and the meaning behind it and what it can accomplish. Uh, but I know that even though I've been in the pen with some horses and done a few activities, I'm still a little bit fuzzy on what actually happens during equine-assisted therapy. Um, yeah. I've often said that in some ways, if you're just standing back watching a session, it's a little bit like watching paint dry. <laughs> um, because not a lot happens like it's not an action-packed video game like we're all used to it's so much about being and not doing it's about relationship and not task but as far as the what we're actually doing some of it is that approach and retreat it's that simple some of it is just that energy like mark was saying where you even just put your hand near a horse and watch how that affects the horse and then pull it back we do a lot of grooming. Uh, I teach some simple body work things that help horses feel better. And we do leading. We do leading over obstacles. So simple things like just logs that we step over or cones that we weave around. Um, that just ups your connection and your focus with the horse. And sometimes people need a little bit of a purpose. Rita likes to talk about that, that we need a, horses and people need a little bit of a purpose. Um, and then we go a step further and assign a meaning to those obstacles. So the cones become math, science, and English that you have to get around or something in your, you know, your relationship or whatever. And you stop and you, 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 pro you internally process that thing. Like every time I open up my math book, my stomach gets tight or whatever. You stop and process that. Take a look at your horse and see how if he's doing anything different. And a lot of the time he is, and he, you might see him tense up just the way you're tensing up, and it's that wonderful feedback. Yeah, that's the beauty part of, work, of having Nancy and I work together with the horse because we can watch the client and the horse simultaneously because the horse does get feedback. If somebody's walking up to an obstacle that they've assigned a meaning that is painful or anxiety-provoking or you know whatever, the horse gives feedback sometimes they will stop and shove it down into the ground yeah. sometimes they'll stop and pick it up with their mouth yeah. and throw it or walk away or walk or, or they'll look and go completely away yeah. from it and or then and then we can say you know this is what we saw in the horse 
does that have any bearing on how you feel about any of this? And it it sounds very woo-woo, and it all works. <laughs> it's like, it does. I mean, it, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. Well, I'd like our, our listeners to th- take a take a moment too to think about this. You know, if you're in therapy right now and you're like, what is you know, how could this benefit me? I it, I think it's gonna. Oh, hi, cat. Cat's coming over to my lap now. <laughs> um, a six to eight week group could exponentially enhance your kid's therapy and and make strides in ground that that is almost unheard of in an in office piece. And so. I know you are probably thinking uh, this is something else that costs money, but it's something that's well worth the money spent because you're going to be less in office uh, kind of long term uh, where, you know, if they're doing the group for six to eight weeks and then they go back to their in office therapist, they're going to make, you know, they could be done quicker than if they didn't do this. And I think it's a, it's a very, uh, very uh, wise and important investment. Well, and I've even looked up prices for like how much it would cost to go on a railroaded uh, horseback ride where they tell you exactly where you can go for this amount of time. And it's like 30 minutes costs like 75 bucks or something like it's it's a whole lot of money. And all you're doing is just sitting on a horse as somebody else guides it. And this, from my experience like if you're looking to spend more time with a horse and more intentional time, this is a far better experience than that. And, you know, I would say probably not as expensive either. Yeah. It's kind of beautiful. The relationships that clients will build with their horse over those weeks. And sometimes they extend. Um, the other thing I want to say about for people who are interested in coming as, um, in addition to their therapy, I'm all about coordinating care. And so I love to work with other therapists to help and benefit their clients. So I'm, I'm all about that. Yeah. That carryover is, is a huge, yeah. important piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Nancy, we were talking um, before we started filming about some of the differences between basically a professional certified equine assisted therapy experience and not would you mind sharing just a little bit about the differences in that and what somebody should be looking out for in that yeah 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 thanks um the model that i prefer and that we all agree on is it's called a diamond model where there's four points to your star your diamond there's the therapist the equine specialist the horse and the client Um, there are people who will hang out a shingle and say i'm doing equine therapy um as, a, as an individual, you know, that's a combination of the two roles. I feel like just on a common sense level, two heads are better than one, two sets of eyes, two sets of ears, mm-hmm. um, accountability, awareness. I have my specialty, you have your specialty. So we're greater than the sum of our parts. That's a common sense piece. The other piece is what kind of training does the person that you're looking at have? There are countless uh, different folks in the Colorado Springs area that are offering this so find out like what's your training what's your background do you have liability insurance do you have a license do you have a certification how long did it take you to get that certification what's involved in that what professional organization are you a part of just do a little bit of homework like you would with anything else well it goes back to our conversation uh, probably about a year ago with like what's the difference between a registered psychotherapist and a licensed therapist? You know, we talk about that a registered psychotherapist just takes a test and pays 180 bucks and they can hang a shingle without any education. 
and and that's not okay. And it's the same thing with with this is that there are uh, you know with with PATH. I mean, there are certain certifications you have to go through. Yeah. There's an overarching. Uh, uh, governing body that we pay attention to right. and you know and it's a lot of trainings whereas there are people out there that say hey I like horses and I've got one yeah, let's do let's it go. and it's like yeah no not a good idea not really not if you're gonna go at it in a professional way and and the other thing is if if you if you run into an unprofessional situation and something doesn't go right that impacts the rest of us who are trying our darndest to to, to do it the right way yeah. Well, any last-minute takeaways uh, that you'd like to give our listeners before we wrap up? Um, I just think it's a wonderful experience, and I believe in the benefits of equine-assisted therapy. And um, I just encourage you to think about it. Give us a call. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Be looking out for some more information about uh, the work that uh, Rita and Nancy do here. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for joining Candid Conversations. If you would like more information, you can email candid at mayfieldcounseling.com or call 719-452-4803.